0: hopefully everybody's got a study sheet we're in lesson 10 today and we're going to talk about uh, punishment and blessing we're going to look at isaiah chapter 24 verse 1 through chapter 27 verse 13 now this is an interesting portion of scripture because before all right so up until this point isaiah has been primarily pronouncing judgment on the northern kingdom on judah as well He's been pronouncing judgment on the nations that are around. And interspersed with that is hope, blessing about how the Messiah is going to come and how the nation will be restored at some point. Now we get to chapter 24, verse 1, and he's going to talk about a time of judgment. That's going to be our first section, time of judgment. Then we're also going to see a time of blessing. Chapter 24 talks about a time of judgment. But it's interesting, when you read chapter 24, he is not just talking about Israel. He's talking about the whole world. So this is a prophetic passage that is yet to happen. And he's talking about what's going to happen in the future. Now, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of these portions of Scripture that we're going to look at have a parallel over in the book of Revelation. A lot of what you see in the book of Revelation sometimes is a visual fulfillment of what Isaiah is talking about. So let's look at this together. First of all, let's talk about the destruction of the earth. All right, let me just stop for a moment. That helps keep things in perspective, doesn't it? The Bible tells us that one day it's all going to be gone all right it's all going to be gone you know and the stuff that we strive for we work for the betterment that we need to do we kind of need to hold on to it what loosely right because one day it's all going to be gone now we have a hard time comprehending that because we don't operate on that level But the scripture brings us to that point of helping us to see that. And here's what we're going to see first. The Lord will lay waste to the whole earth as every level of society is affected. Now, when you look at what he is saying here, uh, if you look at verse 2, if you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 24, verse 2, it gives an analogy here. And so it shall be, as with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with the master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. And the land will be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word." So he's basically contrasting everyone there is and saying it's going to affect everybody. And and that's a pretty serious judgment because sometimes, like for instance in the book of Proverbs, it'll talk about how the rich find themselves secure against calamity because they have funds to weather it. They can't avoid it, but they can weather it. Whereas the poor, they're wiped out by calamity. Here it's saying there's a calamity coming, a judgment that's coming, that's going to affect everyone, period. Whether you're rich or poor, powerful or not. Do you you understand what I'm saying? It's going to affect you. And because the people will not live as they should, the whole earth will be destroyed. It's because people don't live as they should. The The world's going to be destroyed. Now, let me just stop for a moment so that we understand. Now, here's what we like to do, and I was thinking about this yesterday. All right, let me ask you a question. Do you think we categorize sin as some sins are worse than others? Do we do that as humans? Okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you what you think the worst ones are, because we'd be arguing all day long, but we do tend to categorize sin. And we have, and, 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 you know, in, in background, and in, in my church background, drinking was a really bad one. Gossip was one we tolerated. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so if you said to somebody, which is worse, drinking was always the bad one. But gossip, well, I remember one pastor told me about a lady I had at my church. He had her years before, and he said that was just her character flaw. That's an excuse for her sin. Now, the problem is, let's be honest with you, in God's eyes, is there categories of sin? Now, I know that uh, there is a section of Christianity that believes in venial sins and mortal sins, but that's church tradition, not uh, from the Scripture. From the Scripture, does God categorize sin? Yes, all sin is sin, whether it's lying to gossiping, to killing, to sexual immorality. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's all sin is sin with God. And so God is saying here, the people don't live as they should. Okay? They don't live as they should. They just keep sinning. And so God is going to bring judgment upon the whole earth. He's going to destroy Everyone. Now, do you, have, do you think we have a tendency to think that's not fair? Do you think, you know, if you talk to most people today, you would say it's not fair. You know, why do I get punished? Because I have a little white lie problem versus the axe murderer. Did you know what I'm saying? The axe murderer deserves more punishment than me. Don't we, don't we operate on, quote, some level of fairness in our society, Right? We try to operate on that. It's not necessarily so, but but God doesn't see it that way. All sin is an affront, and all sin is worthy of death. In fact, Paul says, Romans, the wages of sin is what? Death, okay? The wages of sin is death. So because people will not live as they should, the whole earth will be destroyed. Now, that's a pretty sobering point. It should sober us. Why, George? Well, before you were saved, what was your condition? What would Sinner. And, and, and because of that, what were we facing? Yeah, death. And God in his grace reached out and touched us, and we were what? Saved. You know what I'm saying? So prosperity and festivity will end as judgment comes to the earth. comes to the world. So all the festive times, all the celebrations, all the weddings, all of life will end. In fact, it's interesting. The the New Testament tells us uh, that as in the days of Noah, so they'll be giving in marriage, Jesus said, up until the time of the judgment. But then when that comes, that's the end of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Weddings are pretty festive, aren't they? Do do you understand? That's a pretty big thing for any family or clan or whatever when there's a wedding. And that's a big celebration. And in their culture especially, it was a big celebration. A whole community celebrated a wedding. But the reality is, is there's going to time when festivity will end. Why? Because judgment is coming. But here's what it says. The remnant, those who are left of God's people, will praise God and give him glory. They'll praise God and give him glory. Why do you think they're going to praise God? Because we just talked about some heavy stuff here, right? We just talked about judgment and everything being burned up and everything being destroyed. Why would God's people then give glory? the remnant who are left, why would they give God the glory and praise him? What do you think it is? Okay, it is a sign. Well, this is because he's come back. I mean, he's brought judgment. But in spite of all of what's going to happen, God's people are going to say, praise you, God. Glory belongs to you, Lord. Why would God's people do that? It's a very simple answer. doesn't take you long to think about it. What, what's that, John? Yeah, they survived it. Why? Why did they survive it? Is it because of them? Are they special people? Yeah, okay. Well, I heard somebody. For, yeah, God's grace, okay. And you said God helped them survive it. Why did God help them survive it? Because they what? Yeah, they, they turned to him. Do you understand? They're his children. They're praising God because they were redeemed. They were saved. They were chosen. They were special to him. So therefore they didn't have to endure that. You know, I heard I've been I've read a few things and I, I keep reading hearing this statement. Um, I think it came, I think it was even in the Gentle and Lowly study, if you've gotten to that chapter yet, where he talks about the reality of hell, and he says this: for God's children, the worst hell will ever be is here, because when you go to be with Him, it's perfect love. For the unsaved, the best they'll ever have is here. Because when they go to hell, that's the worst. Did you understand what I'm saying? And and that really puts everything in perspective. You know, because we endure here, don't we? It's hard here. But that's the worst it'll ever be for us. Do you understand? Because when we go to be with Jesus... It'll, it'll be so much better And so the remnant will praise God and give him glory. give him glory. Now what's going on here? Let me, let me go up to the next point. Now one of the things that's interesting is is that Isaiah is distressed. What do you mean he's distressed George? Well he's bothered. He's bothered by what's happening with the people. And even though he's telling them that this judgment is coming, and even though he's telling them that the world will be punished, Isaiah is distressed by the treachery of people around him. He's distressed by the way people are acting around him. So I want you to notice with me verse 16 Through 20, here's what he says. From the ends of the earth we have heard song, glory to the righteous. But I said, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Woe to me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Indeed, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitants of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall in the pit. And those who come up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in a snare. For the windows on high are open, and the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. And the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall totter like a hut. Its transgression shall be heavy upon it, and it will fall and not rise again. Now, here's what's bothering him. He's bothered by the fact, okay, this judgment is coming, but guess what people continue to do? They still deal treacherously with each other, even though they know it's coming. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people, even though there's judgment coming, why do you think we continue to, People just continue to keep doing what they're doing, taking advantage of each other, doing what they have to do for themselves. Why do you think that is? Okay, unbelief. They don't believe the judgment is coming. That's good, Bruce. Anybody else? Okay, that's really good, Mike. Man's sin nature. They don't don't know any better. Do Do you know what I'm saying? They don't know any better because... They'll just do whatever, you know. I, every, I, it's interesting as you go through life, you'll meet people, and, and sometimes you come across somebody who, it just believes that everybody's lying to him. He can't even the most honest person. He'll say, "Oh, he's a liar. He's a liar." He's a liar. And then you're like, "Man, where does this guy come from?" And then you find out, the guy who's saying that he's a liar. And he deals with everybody in lies, and so he just expects what? Everybody to deal with him in lies. He, he's so bent towards lies, he can't believe that anybody else would possibly tell him the truth. Why is that? Because that's his nature. And so he's saying treacherous people deal treacherously, and he's ruined by the reality that here's this judgment coming, and he explains what's going to happen, but they keep dealing treacherously with each other. They don't know any better. Do you you understand? They don't know any better. All right, let's put it back into perspective now, okay? I know that as we watch our culture move in the direction our culture is moving in, that bothers us, right? Hopefully it bothers you. Okay, yes, Nancy? Not necessarily. Knowing better assumes you have an understanding of what's right and wrong. Knowing better assumes that you've been taught or you've accepted. But we live in a culture now where what's right to you is right to you, but that's not my right. My right and my wrong are totally different. But here's what I do now in our culture. I judge you by my right and wrong. Did you understand what I'm saying? So just assuming that people know better is not necessarily right because a lot of times they don't know any better not at all okay so let me just stop for a moment so let's go back to what i said so here we are in a culture we're we're bothered by it right we're bothered by it and we get upset like why can't they change how about the fact is is we should know that maybe they don't know any better because first of all when you talk about unsaved people is it possible for them to know any better Maybe if the culture says yes or no, but do they have an understanding of God's truth? Can they understand God's truth? Does God's truth make sense to them? Why is it that God's truth makes sense to us? What do we have that causes the truth of God to make sense to us? Yeah, he's opened our eyes, and we have who within us to teach us? The Holy Spirit. Do Has God opened the eyes of the lost? Does, do they have the Spirit of God within them to guide them and convict them and tell them what's right and wrong? No. So then our response shouldn't be, you need to do what's right. Well, first of all, they don't have the capacity to do what's right. So what do we do? You can be frustrated. Nothing's going to change with your frustration. But you can what? God, open their eyes, pray. Live as you need to live. And pray that somehow God uses that to what? Touch their lives. Did you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we forget that. So, Isaiah here, he's distressed by the treachery of people around him. And here's here's what he says The people will suffer and fall because of their treachery and other sins. There are consequences. And we all know that, right? Just from everyday life. There are consequences. You do something wrong, there are consequences. You know, so, I mean, like, for instance, if I operated the way I did when I was a college kid and I just kept my, just enough gas in my car to get me to where I needed to go and then when it was, like, almost empty, then maybe I'll gas up. Let's say I wake up in the morning and I'm heading to the Y to do my morning exercise and I get in a car and the light is flashing, low fuel, low fuel, and I think, oh, I've got enough to make it to Clearfield, rather than just pulling in the snappies and filling up. So guess what? I just truck it on down the road, and I'm on the Kerwinsville Highway, get over near Bloom Electric, and it cuts out on me. The engine stops because there's no gas. None at all. Whose fault is that? Mine. You know what I'm saying? Mine, because I should have done something about it. I should have acted. So now I'm facing the what? The consequences of my stupidity, my actions. Did you know what I'm saying? And we understand that. There are consequences in life. And this is what he's trying to help us to understand, is that when you have a culture, society, a people, a world that continues to sin, they're going to suffer, they're going to fall because of their treachery and disobedience. Now here is one that I think is very interesting that I think we need to realize. And that is this. In that final judgment, verses 21 to 23 make it very clear that God will gather the rulers of the world and the spiritual powers to punish them. Punish them. That's everybody. All the rulers of the world will be gathered together and be punished. Period. Every nation. Now, that might not sit well with us, but that's reality. Why do you say that's reality, George? Well, because I'm going to point something out to you. The world is divided into two groups of people. Nations, the concept of nations, that is not in the Old Testament. Those are boundaries. Those are borders. That's something more modern. In the Bible, when it talks about nations, it talks about ethnicities. Okay? People groups. Okay? Like the Irish and the Celts the, the and so forth. The Scots and the people of Welsh from Wales and, and the Germans. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the French people and the Italian, and so forth, and the the Czechs and the Slovaks, the Russians and the Ukrainians, and you go on down throughout the world. They're all people groups. Now, we have boundaries that we formed in modern era. Now, here's the thing. When it talks about the nations, the rulers of the nations will be judged. The fact is, the world, the, the scripture divides them into two groups. Here's the group. God's people and everybody else. God's people, everybody else. Who's God's people? Israel and Gentiles who have what? Been saved and now share in what? The promises of God's people. We're a part of God's people. Remember he said, we just looked at it in John 10, I'm the great shepherd, but I have other sheep and we're going to bring them together and we're going to make them what? One fold, okay? Then there's everyone else. Period. Period. And Isaiah says all those rulers are going to become and they're going to be judged. Period. That sometimes is hard for us to grasp because right now there's a concept in a Christian church that says that while America is great, we're special to God. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that says that. We're just one of many nations. And while we think it's special, and it's good that you do, keep everything in perspective. Okay, so let's go on. God will reign in Jerusalem, and there will be no need of light, the light of sun and moon. Now, this is future. Now, all of this is future. But in the future, God's going to dwell in Jerusalem, and there's not going to be any light. Now, let me tell you where you can find that. This is Isaiah who says this. But if you go to your Bibles, to Revelation chapter 21, listen to what verse 22 says. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And listen to verse 23. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. When will that take place? Eternity. Do you understand? When the nations are judged, we go into eternity. The, there won't be any need for the sun or the moon. Because the God Himself will dwell with us. And it's awesome. I think it's interesting. If you read Revelation, it's very clear that we'll see God's face. Wow. Now, do you guys remember from the Old Testament? It says, no one can see God's face and what? Live. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Why can't nobody see God's face and live? Well, it isn't just that we can't handle it, but there's something about you that causes you not to be able to see God. Yes, your sin. You you inhabit sinful flesh. But one day when you go to be with the Lord, you're going to lay off this old body and you're going to get a new body. Isn't that going to be awesome? Now, I don't know what that new body is going to look like. It's going to be a whole lot better than this body, okay? And But the reality is, at that point I can see God because I will be perfect. Right now I'm not perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Y'all ain't perfect either, Okay? Right now, you're not perfect, and we're sinful, right? You, you sin today without even knowing you sinned. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You sin today without even knowing you sinned. And you can't see God. But one day, you when you are with him in the new Jerusalem, in the new creation, you will see God. And there won't be any need for light there. Isn't that awesome? Let's go on. Isaiah praises. Now we get to chapter 25. We're going to see... The time of blessing. So first of all, the preservation of God's people. Isaiah praises the Lord for his marvelous acts of judgment and deliverance. So he's praising God for two things here. Judgment and then who? Deliverance. Who's the deliverance for? God's people. Okay? Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Not just, you know, right now we think in terms of saving us from our sin. Later on, we're going to have a full orb concept of it when we realize what happened to everyone else because they weren't saved and you were saved and we're going to be like, wow, God, thank you. Okay, here it is. The Lord will provide a feast for all of his people. We know that from the New Testament is the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know what I'm saying? You You and I are going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I don't know what the cuisine is, Okay, it doesn't tell us that, but it's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, okay? Here here it is. Death will be destroyed, and he will wipe away every tear. Death will be destroyed, and he'll wipe away every tear. Okay, again, Revelation chapter 20. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. And, And here's what he says. First of all, verse 14. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Death will cease. There won't be any more death. Okay? Verse uh, 21, verse chapter 21, verse 4. Here's what he says. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. No more. Okay, let's stop. Okay, let's just be honest. How long does grief last? Yeah. We just learn to live with it, right? Or try to. But the pain is there forever. The grief is there forever. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still amazed. Sometimes, you know, my dad is buried in the National Cemetery in Florence, South Carolina. And uh, So if we ever go to Myrtle Beach, we will, you have to go through Florence. So I always stop by and see my dad's grave. So it's been a while since I've been there because we haven't been to Myrtle Beach in a long time. And I'm I'm always amazed that, I mean, here it is. My dad died in 1986. I still get choked up. Do you know what I'm saying? I still get choked up because it's real. I think we all relate to that, right? But one day, Isaiah is saying to us, Revelation reveals it to us, there'll be no more death. God's going to wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sorrow, no more regret. The former things have passed away. Is that not an awesome thing? Because he heals us. That's what is amazing. God heals us of our hurt. And, 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 and that just blows my mind. That makes me so want to, you know, I, I enjoy living here. But I, there are days when I'm like, God, I can't wait for the battle to be over. The struggle to be over to be with you. And I'm not being suicidal by saying that. I'm just simply saying One day the struggle's going to be over. The hurt's going to be over. The pain's going to be over because we go to be with him. And really, that's where our hope should be, right? Isn't that where our hope should be? All right, let's go on. The remnant will affirm their trust in the Lord who saved them. So those who are left, the remnant, God's people will affirm, Lord, you are God. You saved us. Those who oppose God's people like Moab Will be brought to destruction. It's interesting when you go to Revelation. He'll say that it that, that that the those who oppose, and it has a big list of how he describes them will not be in the city. It won't you won't even be a part of it. Well, why? Because they're in the lake of fire. Okay, they're in the lake of fire. So then the prophet he shares a song that will be sung. This is the praise of God's people. He shares a song that will be sung in Judah. So he's going to, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but this is the song that he lists there, okay? And so here's what happened. The city will be opened to the righteous remnant that will enjoy peace. So we'll be in the city. Now, I know a lot of you folks like the country, and uh, so, you know, I married a girl from the farm. She wants to be on the farm. She has a hard time living in town, okay? So, all right, so I know that we're, we have those kind of bents, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all are going to become city slickers. And you're not going to mind it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're going to dwell in the new Jerusalem with Jesus, okay? Okay? You're going to dwell in the new Jerusalem. So the city will be open and the righteous remnant will enjoy the peace. The Lord will bring down the proud who will be trampled by the poor. You ever? I get like this sometimes. You watch the news and you see people and you're like, man, that guy is so arrogant. Maybe in the community. That guy is so arrogant and it's just like, when will he be brought low? And then sometimes you never see them brought low, right? They're people who go to their grave arrogant and trampling on others and so forth. But I'm going to tell you something. Isaiah tells us what? They're going to be brought low. They're going to be trampled by who? The poor, who they have oppressed. The prophet conveys the desire of the righteous for the Lord. The prophet here is saying how much God's people want the Lord God. Their desire is for him for the justice he brings, for the for the salvation that he brings to us as well. The wicked will not learn righteousness, but they will be in judgment. So again, he's making a reality here. The wicked, they're not going to be able to learn ju- righteousness, but they're going to be in judgment. The Lord has established peace and rest for his people. This is something you can put your hope in. All right, so things are tough. Excuse me. Things are tough right now. Things are hard. And maybe there is no peace. You can't get sleep at night. You're worried. Rest is something that is beyond your thoughts. But listen, it's coming. You're going to be in a time when there will be what? Peace and rest with the Lord. That's our hope. Their earthly masters are dead and will be punished. Okay, so Isaiah is making it very clear. God's people, their earthly masters are going to be dead and they're going to be punished. The people recognize that their distress is due to God's discipline. They realize that right now the reason why there is such difficulty in this world is because of what? God is disciplining what? Sin. Okay, disciplining sin. The people are called to trust in the resurrection of their dead. Okay, that's a good question. Don't answer it out loud. We've all had loved ones who've died and gone on, right? Do you trust? Not just in your resurrection. But do you trust that one day you're going to see them again? See, this is what he's talking about. The prophet is saying that the people of God are what? They're trusting in the resurrection of their dead. Okay? The resurrection of their dead. And the remnant shall hide themselves during the time of distress. The time of distress is this judgment. And, and, and the remnant will hide themselves. But they'll be brought up later. The Lord reveals himself to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their sins. Because judgment is coming, but you, you know, the remnant will hide themselves because they know their salvation is with the Lord. And that brings us to the final section here, chapter 27, Salvation for Israel and Judah. So he's going to bring it back to the reality of the Jewish people. So here it is. The Lord, with a great sword, the Lord will destroy the great servant, Leviathan. Okay, who's the great serpent, Leviathan? Is that a big sea monster? Who's the great serpent, Leviathan? Anybody got a thought? Satan, yes. Okay, so the Lord will destroy the great serpent, In the day of judgment, the vineyard, which is Israel, will be fruitful. Okay? In the day of judgment. Now, here's the interesting thing. Throughout the Scripture, especially when you get into the New Testament, it makes it very clear for fruit to happen on the vine, it needs to be what? Pruned. Pruned. And with the pruning, it bears much fruit. And so it's saying here that Israel in the day of judgment will go through that pruning of that experience of seeing the judgment of the world, but they'll be fruitful. Fruitful. The vineyard will be so fruitful that it will fill the earth. Okay? A picture of the blessing of time of blessing that's coming. The Lord will judge the way of the righteous. Now, when it says that, let me explain to you. We are not talking about heaven or hell judgment. That's for the lost. But when it talks about judging the righteous, what is that? That's judging you for the rewards that you will get based upon what you did here with your lives for God. You understand? Now let me just stop for a moment because here's, you know, I I guess I'm old enough now to remember preachers trying to get you to do ministry in the church and saying you'll get a reward for that. No, no. Rewards for your service is doing what God told you to do. And so therefore, because you did it for the right reasons, you'll be rewarded. Because God, does he tell us to do things other than just work in a church? Yeah, he might tell you to help your neighbor. He might tell you to help this person or or, or, or contribute to that and help that situation or loan some money or whatever. Doing what God tells you to do, you're obedient, so then later on, you will be rewarded for that. That's the ultimate, not just what you do in the church. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? It's being obedient to God in every area of your life, and guess what? You'll be judged, not deciding whether or not you'll go to heaven or hell, but the reward Here's a cross reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He talks about the foundation and everyone builds on that with what? Gold, precious stone, silver, wood, hay, stubble. And when the judgment comes, gold, precious stone, what happens with that when it's fire? It's purified. What happens to the wood, hay, stubble when it goes through the fire? Burned up. And then it says that some will lose everything, but they'll have their salvation. Okay? So, That's talking about the judgment. All right, so God will judge the way of the righteous. The sin of Israel will be atoned for. What was the sin of Israel right now? Unbelief. In who? The Messiah. And it's going to be atoned for, Isaiah says. However, Jerusalem will be destroyed because of its sin. What do you mean it's going to be destroyed? Well, The old Jerusalem is going to be done away with, and then coming from heaven will come a what? A new Jerusalem. And so you're going to dwell in the new Jerusalem because the old one will be wiped away. In the day of judgment, the Lord will judge from the river Euphrates to the brook Egypt. That's talking about the expanse of his judgment. The Lord will regather his people Israel to worship him in Jerusalem. That's what's going to happen in the future, according to Isaiah.